When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Today in Sports Betting for Friday, February 18th, 2020. This is a Sports Ethos presentation and I'm your host, Doug Reed. You can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Reed 34. That's R-E-I-D 34. Uh, I also have a couple other Twitter handles that I think you should follow. Um, if you're into sports wagering, follow us at Ethos Wagering. That's E-T-H-O-S Wagering. Uh, you'll often get a free play of the day. Comments throughout the day from some of our handicappers, what we're seeing in the markets. And if you're a fantasy basketball fan, uh, although you'll be taking the weekend off uh, with the NBA All-Star break, there's always lots of news at Ethos Fantasy BK for basketball. It's the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed out there. Get all the NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis too. Again, that's Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Highly recommend you follow it. So, uh, as we always do here on Fridays, we're going to do a little strategy session. Uh, we'll hit the book, uh, hit, hit the books, hit the um, boards a little later. It's a very light slate, some NCAA games I've got, and uh, a few leans in the NHL. But I'm going to get into a strategy session, and I've had a few people uh, ask me about this. Uh, we're basically just going to call it Betting 101. Now, as sports. Uh, wagering markets open up across North America and it becomes legalized in more states and provinces across the US and Canada, you're getting a lot more people into the market. And I think a lot of times uh, they're a little overwhelmed. Uh, they may, hey, I want to bet on my favorite team, but I don't know how to do it. Or I want to start betting on a sport. I want to start um, getting involved a little more. But it's a little overwhelming. And I know the first time I ever went to Las Vegas, it's, uh, you know, your heart's pumping when you walk up to the counter. You're not knowing exactly how you're supposed to lay the bet. You know, I want the uh, Los Angeles Lakers to win. Well, that's not what you do. You obviously have to have the number. You obviously have to decide what you want the total or the spread, uh, how much you want to bet. Uh, so it can be a little overwhelming. So what I'm going to do today is talk some very basic levels of sports bet betting and a ton of different terms just to go over. So if you've been doing this for a while, uh, you may want to fast forward. But if you're fairly new or want a refresher, hope this helps a little. So the three main bets when you're looking at a sport um, are the spread, the total, and money line. I'm going to take yesterday in the NBA uh, and compare Miami. They played at Charlotte. So the spread is basically uh, if you and I were to bet and Miami's a better team than Charlotte, even though they were on the road. Um, and if we're each going to bet, let's say $100, just to keep the numbers simple, um, you're probably not going to say, sure, we'll just put $100 straight up on the difference in the game because Miami's a better team. More often than not, Miami's going to win. So if I take Miami, there's a good chance that I'm going to win. So what the bookmakers do, and we'll get into that a little more later how they do it, is instead of you and I going and just standing there and giving each other $100 and whoever wins gets $200, they're basically the service that creates a number and handles the money. So we would give a bookmaker $100 each 
And they say, okay, um, Miami's the favorite team. Miami yesterday were minus four and a half. So they have to win by four and a half points for me to win if I'm on Miami and you're on Charlotte. Um, and we'll get to the why it's a half point because obviously nobody can ever win by half point in a few in a little while. But Miami's at four and a half. That that evens the odds a little bit more. Um, gives you a better chance to win and me a little less chance of win. So it's a little more even. If I like that number, if I think no, no, that's not fair. I think Miami should only be favored by two or three. Then I don't take that bet. But if we agree that that's the bet, uh, the spread is minus four and a half. And as long as Miami wins by five points or more, I win. If Charlotte loses by four points or less, so four points, three points, two points, one point, they lose by, you still win the bet. Or if they win outright, then you win the bet. So yesterday, uh, Miami ended up winning the game 111 to 107. So exactly a four point difference. So if you had Charlotte at minus four and a half, um, you, you covered, you won the bet. If I had Miami, sorry, if you had Charlotte plus four and a half, uh, you won the bet. If I had Miami at minus four and a half, then I lost the bet because Miami, Miami had to win by four and a half or more. For me to cover, they had to, uh, if they won by four and a half or less, then you win. And the reason they put that half point in there, which is called the hook, uh, another term, I'll go through a bunch of terms in a few minutes, but they call that the hook. Uh, it's just so that there's no ties. So in a game like this, no matter what, that game was not going to end up in a tie. If it is a tie, so if it had been Miami four, minus four over Charlotte, and they won by four. The bet is basically a tie, which is called a push. It means we both get our money back. So nobody makes any money. I don't make money, you don't make money, the house doesn't make any money. They just give her our money back. Now the total also in that game was 226 and a half. And that's just simply, uh, do we think the total point score between Miami and Charlotte will be over that or under that? Miami plays very good defense, better at home than on the road, but still very good defense. Um, Charlotte, not always the greatest defensive team. What do you think it would be? Now, the interesting thing with this is this game went to overtime, double overtime, in fact, and the total was 218, so it went well under the total. So uh, if you had taken the under 226 and a half, the total of the game was 218, then you win. If I took the over, I lose. Now, the money line is a little bit different. Money line is uh, if you just want to bet pure on who wins the game. So I think Miami's going to win the game. And, and as I said earlier, they're not going to, you're not going to get even odds. It's just you and I can't say $100 each, whoever wins, wins, because that's not a fair bet. So, that, so you, you look to the spread. But maybe people say, I don't want to play the spread. I know Miami's a better team. I'll take less of a payout. So I'll put more money. I'll put money up, but I'll get less of a payout. I won't get that $100 back. I'll get less. So Miami was a minus 170 uh, favorite, which means basically that I would have had to pay $170 on Miami at that price to win $100 back on the money line. So at minus 170, I have to pay $170 to win 100. Miami's a clear favorite in that game. That's how I win it. The spread doesn't matter as long as I think Miami's gonna win. So maybe I thought the spread of minus four and a half was too high. I didn't wanna take that, but I think Miami's gonna win. So I'm willing to bet 170 that they would win $100 and I would have won that. If I wanted to take Charlotte on the money line, so um, I think that minus four and a half spread is right, let's say. I think Charlotte was gonna win, but I want a bigger payout. If I'm just gonna play them straight as a winner, I take their money line. They were plus 150. So that means if I put down $100 and Charlotte wins, they get $150 back. So obviously, 
you have a greater return on the Charlotte side. You're betting 100 to win 150 versus betting 170 just to win 100. But the odds are, uh, when you see a money line that high of minus 170, that Miami's the better team and Miami should win more often than not. Um, you will get upsets, obviously. And if you're picking if you're picking the favorite, so that's the Miami side, you're going to get less of a payout. You have to bet more to win the $100. Uh, if you're going to pick the underdogs who are going to win less, you, um, you're going to get a higher payout, i.e. the $150 on the Charlotte side. So that's the quick, that's the kind of the, the high level of the three main uh, basketball and football type spreads. You get that in hockey and baseball. I can get to that maybe in another show, especially as the summer comes up, if and when baseball ever gets going. Uh, the lines don't work quite the same. It's more of a money line game, whereas basketball and football are more of a, a spread and total game. And hockey's more of a money line as well. Um, I can talk about that in a later show. But how the lines work, which I think is an interesting uh, thing to understand too. So in that game yesterday, Miami's favored by four and a half over Charlotte. Uh, bookmakers don't really care who wins and they're not trying to make money by picking the right um, team to win. What they're trying to do is get an equal amount of bets on both sides of that bet. So if there are 100 100 bettors and let's say everybody bet $100,000. So $10,000 was coming in to a sports book um, on that game. What they want is basically $5,000. So half the total on Miami and half the total on Charlotte. Now, it it doesn't have to be 50 betters each way because obviously every better isn't going to bet the same amount. But in this case, if every single better of the 100 people betting bet $100, they'd want 50 betters and $5,000 on Miami minus four and a half. They'd want 50 betters and $5,000 on Charlotte plus four and a half. Uh, and basically the way that works then is they take, and, and, and those lines would be at what's called, uh, well, which is the regular line of minus 110, and that's the payout. So I'll get to that in a minute, but basically the way it works is in yesterday's game, if they had that perfect split, Miami lost. So the 50 betters and the 5,000, it doesn't really matter the number of betters, the $5,000 that came in, they, they collect that. Uh, Charlotte won. So you put your $5,000 in, you obviously get the money you won back, but then the 5,000 that they collected from Miami minus their small commission, which I'll get to in a second, they pay that out to the winning side. So they bring in 10,000 in total, 5,000 on Miami side, 5,000 on the Charlotte side. The Charlotte side wins. They pay out the 5,000 back to those people, plus the money they brought in on the Miami side minus a small commission that goes out to them. In that scenario, I lost on the Miami side, you won on the Charlotte side, the book made their commission, that's all they want. They don't want the risk. So they don't want those, let's say there's a hundred betters. They don't want 80 of them on Miami and 20 of them on Charlotte, okay? Because sure, sometimes that will work out for them. Uh, and in this case, it wouldn't have because if they had had heavy money on, sorry, not the, not the better, they don't want 80% of the money. So of the 10,000, they don't want $8,000 on Miami and 2,000 on Charlotte, okay? Because if they're wrong on that, uh, then they have to pay out a huge amount of money. And they're not in the business of, again, picking the right sides per se, they're in the business of putting a line out that makes perfect sense so that they can get half the money on one side, half the money on the other side. If that game had opened at uh, Miami minus three points, and again, we have 100 betters coming in. If the first 20 betters had all jumped on minus three and they'd all put their uh, $100, so the first 2,000 that came in all went to Miami at minus three, that's when they moved the line up to minus three and a half. 
Then maybe the next 20, they get 15 batters on Miami and five on Charlotte. Well, they didn't move it enough because now they have 35 batters on Miami and only five on Charlotte. So that's when they jack it up maybe to five points. And then they start to get more money in on Charlotte. Um, slowly, the numbers get closer to even. Maybe a little more money comes in in Charlotte. They move it down to four and a half. They feel that they're, uh, as the game's about to hit, as about to start, they're fairly even on, they have close to $5,000 on Miami, close to $5,000 on Charlotte. They've got the line set where they want. Do that across multiple games, across multiple days. And that's how uh, sports books make their money. Now, the commission they charge, here's a term that I think everybody uh, should know. It's called the VIG or the Vigorish, V-I-G-O-U-R-I-S-H, or the juice or the cut or the commission. And it's basically what sports books um, facilitate to trade, to take in your money, to handle your money, to pay it out to the winners. This is what they charge. And at the end of the day, most lines are... Could you say that again? Sorry about that. Most lines come in at minus 110. So in all those bets, for example, Miami, if you took Miami minus four and a half yesterday, your payout, if you won, would be at minus 110. If you took Charlotte plus four and a half, your payout would be at minus 110. If you took the total of 226 and a half, your payout, if you win, would be at minus 110. And that's pretty standard line. Now that minus 110 can move up and down. Um, Can be minus 105, can be uh, exactly even, plus 100, can be minus 120. You can see different numbers. Uh, And obviously on the money line, those numbers are skewed, but the typical payout is minus 110. And what that means is basically that's how the books make their commission. Okay, so as I said earlier, they're going to take the $5,000 on the Miami bets that lost. They take all that and they're going to pay that out at minus 110 to the winner. So they're going to keep their 4.5% commission is what the number works out to be. So standard bet, um, as much as I said, if there's 100 bettors betting $100, most people bet if you're betting at minus 110, you bet $110 to win 100. That's a standard. Uh, you could bet 100 to win $90.91 if you want. You know, 100 if it's paid out at minus 110, $100 bet pays you $90.91. But most people will bet 1.1 units or $110 to win 100. So if I bet 110 on Miami and you bet 110 on Charlotte, okay, if we're just two people betting, uh, that's a total of the book brought in of $220. Miami loses. Didn't, didn't cover the bet yesterday. Um, so they won, but didn't cover the bet. So I lose on the Miami side. I lose my $110. You won on the Charlotte side. You get your $110 back. Um, plus, you get basically the $100 that I spent. And the house keeps $10. So we both put in 110. I didn't. I don't think I explained that properly. We both put in 110 dollars. I lose, so I lose it all. You win. You get your 110 back of the 110 that I put in. The house gives you 100, and they keep 10. So that's their profit. Okay, that's their vig. That's their juice. That's their cut. That's their commission. So 220 dollars came in. They paid out 210 to you. You got your 110 you put in and 100 dollar profit, and they keep 10 dollars. And I'm out my 110. So that's the basic math behind the basic spread and total bets uh, that you will see in most sports. Um, If you have any questions or comments or thoughts, if that didn't make sense, by all means, hit me up in DM. Uh, Happy to explain it more. Kind of running through it quickly. But I think it's interesting to know, for people to know this as they get into the sports uh, gambling. Not just what the spread total and money line means, but how it all works. 
Um, and you know, and I say the sports book, uh, well, if you go to Vegas or Jersey, there's sports books, but obviously your app, um, you know, if you're, if you're using our buddies at my bookie or mybookie.ag account, that's the house. That's their profit is on average 4.5% on games that are minus one or lines that are minus 110. So uh, some other some other lines. I'm just going to go through quickly a bunch of terms. I'm probably going to miss a few, but just some terms that I think I use in my show. Uh, people constantly use, um, but it's like anything. If people are getting in, into it, you don't want to ask sometimes because you're not sure if that's a dumb question. There are not, and you know there are obviously no dumb questions here. But uh, I'll just run through a bunch of terms. So one is the cover. Uh, that means you won. So yesterday, uh, that Miami Charlotte game, who covered? Uh, Charlotte covered the four uh, plus four and a half point spread and they won. Okay. A unit. So what is a unit bet? So people set the units. If you have a thousand dollar bank account and you want to make a $50 bet every time, your unit is $50. If you have a hundred dollar bank account and you want to make a $5 bet every time, your unit's $5. And, it, and if you listen to a previous show of mine, uh, I think it's important to have a certain unit size and just stick to that all the time. Okay. So, you, so I said earlier, on the $100 bet, most people bet 1.1 units to win one. So on a $100 bet, you don't bet 100 to win $90.91, you bet $110 to win 100. That's your unit, $110, or pardon me, $100 units. You're betting 1.1 units. Um, it's just easier to do the math. Um, you should usually only bet one or 2% of your bankroll uh, is a unit. Uh, you'll hear some touts and you go on touts being experts or people selling their picks or people on TV uh, promote or uh, online promoting their thoughts and comments and they'll say a four or five unit bet, which is insane to be making four and five unit bets. But typically a unit is a percentage of your bankroll and most times you should bet one to two uh, percent. So that's a unit. So if you have a hundred dollar bankroll, your you know, two dollars is two uh, is if that's if that's your unit then you're gonna have 50 bets. You're gonna have 50 units that you can make bets on. Uh, the term chalk, you'll hear this a lot, especially in March Madness coming up. It's basically the favorite. So, so if, if uh, when there's a huge favorite, so if you're on the heavy um, heavy favorite, you're taking the chalk. Uh, you'll see this when March Madness, the bracket comes out and all the experts will pick Gonzaga through the first couple rounds. So Gonzaga is the number one ranked team in the country. A lot of people are gonna pick them to win the tournament. But for the first, uh, four rounds, probably they'll be the chalk play. Everybody will know they'll probably win the first four rounds. So you're taking the chalk by taking them, uh, which means you're taking the heavy favorites. Uh, if you get into the playoffs in basketball this year and you've got Milwaukee, uh, let's say Milwaukee wins the East and they're playing uh, Toronto in the first round and Milwaukee's a heavy favorite, you're taking the chalk if you're taking uh, Milwaukee. Opening and closing line. So I think this is self-explanatory, but the game, for example, yesterday, Miami minus four at Charlotte, that was the closing line. So 7.40 p.m. the game started, line closes, that's what you get. If you got it when it came out late Wednesday night, so usually after all the games end, uh, let's say one in the morning in the east, uh, 1.30 in the morning, the lines for the next day will come out. So the opening line is when that first line hits. And if you're on it and you like a certain side, let's say you really liked Miami yesterday, uh, and that line opened at uh, minus three and a half, you jumped on it then, you saw it shoot up to minus four and a half, well, you got a better opening line. You got a better opening line value. Um, laying points. So laying or taking points, this is, you hear these terms all the time. Uh, yesterday with Miami, you're laying four and a half. Okay, it's, you're putting down four and a half points for them to win, they're the favorite. You're either taking or you're getting points with Charlotte, you're getting those four and a half points. So it's basically, 
Um, if I was on Miami, I'd have given you four and a half points. I'd have said Miami, Miami has to win by four and a half points. I'll give you those points. If you're on Charlotte, you're like, all right, what are you going to give me? I got to take, you know, I, I need to get some points. So you're taking the four and a half points, which is the underdog. Uh, term you hear uh, about sports books and how much money they bring in is the handle. Uh, it's basically the amount of the money uh, sports books take in from wagers. They might talk on the handle on a weekend. Um, you know, I know when New York opened up for business legal sports betting about a month ago, I think they brought in over $30 million. So in the first weekend, all the sports books combined. So their handle was $30 million. It's just basically the total money uh, they bring in. Uh, the hook is a term I, I mentioned earlier. Uh, you'll often get Miami, you know, it could have been minus four yesterday, it was minus four and a half. You get that hook. In football, you often get it too, and it's crucial in football. The difference between three and three and a half is a field goal or more than a field goal. So if you, you know, if you're on one side or the other, you want the hook, you don't want the hook. Seven to seven and a half, someone's going to win by a touchdown. If it's seven and a half, they got to win by a touchdown plus another score. Um, so that the hook is often uh, what you try and get or try and avoid, depending on which side you're on. Uh, live betting is something that's come up in the last few years. Um, and traditionally, you'd go to a bookmaker, lay your bet, and that would be it. Before the game started, the end result would be win or you lose. Now, everything's obviously online, uh, apps and online sites. And um, that game yesterday, Miami, open minus four and a half at Charlotte. I didn't watch the game, but let's say Miami uh, got hot and went up 10 nothing early. They scored the first 10 points of the game. That line probably would have been Miami minus six. Okay. Let's say Miami was up 20 to five uh, early in the first first quarter. Went on a huge run. That might that line might have gotten Miami minus eight. So in the game, you're sitting there watching it. You can go go to your um, go to your book your app or your bookmaker, and you see, oh my gosh, you know Miami's minus eight all of a sudden. But you were on Charlotte anyways to begin. I pick Miami, you pick Charlotte. You're thinking, well, you know, they're getting blown out now, but it's it's basketball. This it's a game of runs. Charlotte is now uh, catching or getting eight points. You're thinking, you know, at the start of the game, I like them getting four and a half points. I like them a whole lot more getting eight. Now they're losing 20 to five, but you know, basketball is a game of runs. So in-game betting, you jump on Charlotte at plus eight, and then you watch this, the score go the other way. And... Miami wins by four in double OT. Well, you have them at plus eight, so you won easily if, if you bet in-game. Uh, especially in basketball, because it is such a game of runs, you'll see so many crazy scores. Like the Celtics last year, I think, came back four or five times in the second half of games, and they were down like 20 points or more. So if you were watching the Celtics play, let's say the Celtics are playing Miami, and Miami's winning by 20 points sometime in the third quarter. This game is over. You'd have got a huge, huge price, though. Uh, probably plus 500, 600 uh, for Boston. If you bet that, if you have the guts to do that, and they come back, you win a ton of money because you're betting in-game. You're betting the in-game. Um, another line, uh, a nickel or dime line. You don't hear this very often. This is kind of your old school betting uh, terms. But a nickel is basically a $500 bet, and a dime is a $1,000 bets. You'll see oftentimes in the movies, uh, you know, I dropped a couple dimes on that game. That's basically what it is. $500 is a, nick- $500 is a nickel, $1,000 is a dime. Uh, it, it, the term push, push basically equals a tie. So if that game yesterday I'm talking about Miami was minus four, it wasn't minus four and a half. If Miami was minus four, 
I picked Miami at minus four. Well, Miami won by four. You picked Charlotte at plus four. Well, Charlotte lost by four. It was a tie. Uh, you get your money back. I get my money back. The books don't make anything. Another reason why the books like to have the hook or the half point in there, because there'll always be a winner and loser. And as long as there's a winner or loser, they can make money. Term sharp money, you'll hear the sharps and squares. So uh, that's you and I, and that's them. The sharp money is the large wagers by pros. Um, so usually professional bettors, uh, you know, the example I was giving on that game, if there's a hundred bettors and everybody's betting a hundred dollars each, well, a sharp money comes in and one guy comes in and says, you know what, I'm betting a thousand dollars each or $10,000, huge number, huge amount of money. Uh, books will usually give them a little, sometimes give them a little bit of price, better price, uh, you know, respected professional bettors in Jersey or Vegas. And I say that cause those are the established, um, sports betting markets. Um, they'll know their sports books and they can come in and maybe get an extra half point here uh, because they give them a lot of business um, and they can and they move lines when they do do business. Um, the squares are the other side of it. That's the casual sports better. Uh, that's the masses. That's the guy putting in $10, $100 on a game. So if you or I bet 50 or $100 on that game yesterday, Miami and Charlotte, we're not moving the line. But if a pro comes in and drops $10,000 on it, Maybe that line was uh, Miami minus four. He takes Miami at minus four, $10,000. Now the book's got a lot more risk. They need more betters to come in on the Charlotte side. So they might drop the line or raise it, depending on what's, what, you know, whatever, whatever way the money's coming in. So they want more people, on, sorry, they would have raised it yesterday. So they want more people on the Charlotte side. So they're gonna say, you know what? Uh, we'll go plus four and a half. We'll make it harder. We'll make it easier for people who wanna bet Charlotte to come in and support Charlotte to even out that money that's come in. Um, one thing I haven't talked about a lot in these shows is parlays. And to me, this is the crack cocaine of sports betting. And what a parlay is, is when you combine two or more bets. So for example, um, again, most, most, most games are mine. That, 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 um, Miami Charlotte game yesterday, if you'd have bet Miami side or Charlotte side, as I said, you would have got it at minus 110. So what you can do is take that game and another game and put them together. Okay. So instead of one bet, you put $100 down, you're not putting it on one game, you wanna put it on two and both teams have to win. Now the idea is that the payout is much more. So if you'd have taken, uh, let me just pull up another game last night. If you'd have taken that game, so let's say you took Charlotte and then the next game was Washington and Brooklyn and Brooklyn was a four and a half point favorite and Washington ended up winning. So let's say you'd taken Charlotte uh, plus four and a half and Brooklyn at plus four and a half, both those games. And you'd have won. If you'd have won them both and two team parlay, that pays usually about 2.6 to one, depending on what book you're at. Sometimes you can get bonuses. Sometimes you can get better money payout. So if you'd have put in a hundred dollars, for example, you, you'd have got paid out. You'd have won 2.6 times that $260 is what you would have got back. Um, so obviously you're thinking, wow, people think, wow, you know what that, that's uh, that's that's a way to make money quick. That's a way to make a lot of money. Uh, you know, if you roll that up to a fourteen parlay, it plays ten to one. So if you'd have taken uh, uh, the Charlotte game, Washington, you know, if you'd have taken Dallas one last night and Philly one at Milwaukee, if you'd have taken all them on the spread of the money line, it's going to pay out substantially more. If you'd taken it out in the money line, it doesn't pay out as much, but the spread. Uh, if you're taking four bets, they all pay out at minus 110 and you get them all right, it pays at 10 to one. So people say, well, you know what? I can make four bets and I could win each of those. 
and basically doubled my money. So if I make the real quick math, it's not quite this, but if I made four bets at $100 and I doubled my money, I'm up almost $400 versus I could put them all together. And if I win them, uh, if I put in uh, even $100 and I win all four, I'm at $1,000. I just, uh, I won 10 to one. And yes, that is true. That's the math. But the fact of the matter is, it gets exponentially harder to win multiple games at a time. So to win one bet, it's usually about a 50% proposition. To win two, to go two for two, I think it drops to the mid-20s, chances you win. To win three, it's more in the teens. It's, it's very, very hard. It doesn't sound that hard, but trust me, if you try and do it, you can do, look at two guaranteed win games, you think. Okay. Now, if you take the spread, if you're looking at money line odds, you're looking at, you know, if you take two favorites that are minus 600, minus 700, well, it's not really going to pay you much on a, on a, on a parlay. But even then, you know, I know a lot of people in college football, they'll do this. They'll take, you know, Oklahoma will be favored by 40 points against somebody. Um, and they'll take a bunch of spreads like that. Well, all it takes is one upset and you're getting paid out. If you're taking huge, huge, uh, money line spreads like like really low spreads all it takes is one upset and that risk and, and you don't get paid out for the risk that you're putting on and the small payout you get but if you're taking a bunch of minus 110 games so yesterday those two basketball games charlotte and washington you know if you took those two underdogs and charlotte both covered washington won outright charlotte covered sure you got paid at 2.6 to 1 and you think, wow, this is pretty damn easy. But try and do that over and over again. It's not. If it were that easy, pros would be doing it. And if you ever talk to pros, if you ever read up on this, if you ever study the markets, nobody, nobody supports doing long-term parlays except the books. Sports books love these. They're fun to do. Don't get me wrong. I've done them. I've done a few this year in the NHL. I just don't have any games I like in particular. Take a couple long money line parlays and you have a little fun with it. But if you're looking to continuously build your bankroll, if you're looking to have that as a, as a, a strategy in your uh, bankroll, you're going to lose money over the long term. I highly do not recommend playing parlays. But a parlay basically is putting two or more games together. Uh, and it just increases your payout. If you have an eight-game parlay, for example, and every game is a minus 110 payout, it pays 150 to 1. So sometimes on Sundays, I know people look at the NFL card and there's 12 games. And if they, they'll put six, seven, eight leg parlays together, sure, if you win it, you know, you put down uh, 10 bucks, you're winning $1,500. If you win all eight games, wow, that's fantastic. But do you know how often you're going to do that? Not very often. Now you will see, you always see every year, especially in football, you see some guy wanted 15 leg parlay, put down, you know, $100 and he won 20,000, some ridiculous number. But that's one guy in the hundreds and thousands of people who make these parlays and very rarely does it pay off. It is literally buying a lottery ticket and the odds aren't as good as in the lottery. Sorry, they're better than winning in the lottery, obviously, but the odds are uh, you're not going to win. So it's a fun way to do it. You know, if you want to put a small $10 bet down and roll with six or seven games, sure, it's a blast to do it once in a while. But don't don't expect that that's going to increase your bankroll. Uh, and there's a lot of risk that people don't understand. Before you get into parlors, I, I highly recommend you do some research and understand what they're all about before you get into them. But that's a few terms, a few thoughts uh, on kind of betting 101. I could probably talk for hours on this topic and talk about more things. So if you 
if I didn't hit on something you like or, or, or you don't understand or you want to hear more about, by all means, send me a DM. Again, it's Doug underscore read three, four on Twitter. I would love to know your thoughts on this topic, but also on any more information that you would love to hear. Cause I'm always happy to hear some feedback. I've got some people making comments. What is this term? What does that term mean? That's why I put this show together today. So before we hit the boards, which we're going to do in a minute, I want to talk to you about uh, a new partner here that we have here at uh, Ethos is Thrive Fantasy. Uh, So you prop up with Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E. Go to Thrive Fantasy, uh, sorry, thrivefantasy.com on their mobile app or on the web. Use the code ethos when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to $100, plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player prop biggest games every night, score points when you prop hit, and the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize. Again, if you're looking for more information, especially in basketball, check out our, our Ethos uh, DFS groups, our daily fantasy group. Uh, we have a regular pod. have some great insight there um, that you can use for DFS, and you can obviously use it for props. And one term I didn't speak to as I go through our buddies at Thrive is uh, props. What is a prop bet or a proposition bet? And that's more so a bet on individual players. So what I talked about yesterday, Miami, uh, Miami at Charlotte, you could have put a bet on uh, how many rebounds Bam Adebayo is going to get for Miami. Uh, Kyle Lowry, you could have put a bet on uh, his points. So his points, let's say it was 14 and a half. Over that or under that? There's a payout for that. His assists over or under his assist total. His um, rebounds over and under. Or do you want to go his points plus assists? What's his total going to be? His points plus rebounds, what's his total going to be? There are hundreds of props. Props are a great way to play. Um, if you don't want to pick a game or, you have a fan, or you're a fan of a certain player or a certain team, uh, you think you have an angle. Uh, you know, yesterday you knew that Miami doesn't, uh, sorry, Charlotte doesn't cover point guards very well, for example. That's not true. I'm just making it up. Um, so you think like, Lowry's playing, he's been playing well lately. I think he's going to go off. He's going to get more than 14 and a half points. I'm going to take the over on his points prop. If he hits, you win. If he's under, you lose. Simple as that. So, uh, no NBA games. Uh, it's on, uh, they're on their all-star game vacation. Uh, off until next, I think it's next Thursday. They basically take a week off, which is crazy. Uh, gone are the days where they took Friday Friday was a travel day, Saturday was a skills competition, Sunday was a game, Monday was a travel day, and they're back at it Tuesday. But uh, So they're off for a while, so nothing on the NBA front. On the college basketball front, there, were, there are a few games that catch my eyes, my eye. Um, it's, a big, it's obviously a big night, as it always is, for the Ivy League schools, and not on any of those games. The first game I'm on is Richmond at VCU. Now, what's interesting is both these schools are located in Richmond, Virginia. Um, and they met on January 29th at Richmond. VCU won by two, 64-62. VCU is favored by three at home. It's kind of a home crowd, but more of a neutral court. Uh, I guess VCU, because it's on their campus, will have the uh, home advantage. But you know there'll be a lot of Richmond fans there, too. Uh, in the A-10, where these guys reside, VCU is uh, currently tied for second at 10-3 and to half a game behind Davidson and tied with Dayton. And Richmond sits in sixth. Um, I think one of the biggest differences here is VCU's defense and just the efficiency at Ken Palm and defense. VCU is number five in the country. Richmond is number 120. So I think VCU should be able to shut them down and keep this game close uh, like they did last time, but the, uh, pull, a little, pull away at home a little at the end. One interesting stat is when it comes to three-point field goals, um, 
Richmond hits 34.3% of theirs, which is 139th in the country. So above average, not great, but definitely above average. Um, but they shoot a ton of threes. I think they're in the top 60 or 70 uh, teams as far as shooting threes and how much that accounts for their total points. So they're, at, they're good at shooting threes. Not great, but good. The key is VCU is the third best defense against three-point shots um, in the country. So Richmond's good at it. I think VCU is going to be able to run them off the line and defend against it. On the flip side, VCU hits about 35.1% of their threes, which is 93rd in the country, so even better than Richmond. But Richmond's defense is 273rd, so they're not very good at defending the three ball. So I think this allows uh, VCU to contest a few more shots and hold Richmond down, hit a few more shots in their end, should be able to cover the three points in my eyes. Uh, the next game I'm on is Ryder is at Monmouth. Ryder comes in uh, laying six and a half, sorry, cashing six and a half points. So Monmouth is a favorite, minus six and a half. And I'm on Monmouth here. Uh, when I look at their adjusted efficiency, uh, neither of these teams are great on offense. Ryder's 296, which is quite weak. Uh, Monmouth's 198. So better, um, but still not spectacular. A uh, little, little, little worse than average in Monmouth side, and well worse than average in Ryder side. When it comes to three-point field goals, um, again, neither team's that great, but Ryder really struggles here. They're at thirty-point eight percent, which is number three hundred eight. Ryder's thirty-two. Uh, Monmouth's number thirty is at thirty-two point four, which is number two hundred forty. The interesting thing I find is in two-point field goals. You've got Ryder again, not very good, hitting forty-three point four percent of their shots, which is three hundred fifth in the country, but. This is, this is the key, and this is why I'm on Monmouth minus six and a half. So Ryder only hits 43.4% of their two-point shots. However, it it accounts, it accounts for 57.9, so almost 58% of their total points are on two-point shots, which is the 19th most in the country. So they're the 19th most reliant on two-point shots. They don't hit them very well, and Monmouth is the 46th best team on defense against two-point shots. So a team that doesn't hit them well relies on them a ton against a team that defends really well. I think that sways, sways the ledger easily to Mama's side and willing to lay six and a half points. Uh, the last game I'm on of the night is in the evening in the Big Ten at 9 p.m. Maryland travels to Nebraska. Maryland is a two-point favorite at Nebraska. Uh, these are two struggling teams, obviously, uh, in the Big Ten. Nebraska got their first first conference win, first home win, and first conference win um, last week. And when I look at adjusted efficiency in offense, Nebraska is 196. So 358 D1 schools, they're number 196, so uh, well below average there. Maryland's uh, number 91. On defense, the same adjusted efficiency of defense. Nebraska, number 151, so slightly above average in the country. Maryland's number 97, so well above average. Um, not great, but well above average. When it comes to uh, three-point shots, again, Nebraska struggles here. 30.7% they're hitting, which is number 311 in the country. I always think when you're down 280, 290 or above that, especially when you're above number 300 in the ranking, that's pretty weak. They're number 311. Uh, Maryland's hits 32.8% of their three-point shots, which is number 222. The big differential uh, for me, if this game remains close, which I imagine it will, I think Maryland's a better team, but in free throws, Maryland hits 75.4% of theirs, which is number 48 in the country, so quite good, very good in that department. Nebraska only hits 70.8%, so number 201, uh, below average in the country. So 
a little better defensively, a little better offensively, better three points, and better uh, free throws. I think that leads to Maryland being able to win, being able to cover this this short two-point line on the road in a Big Ten battle that won't really result in anything happening in the standings. But uh, I think Maryland's a better team. Nebraska struggled against everybody in the Big Ten. Uh, on to the ice. In the NHL, there is four games on this Friday night. Nashville travels to Carolina. Uh, you can get the Road Predators on the money line at plus 145, or the Hurricanes at home minus 165. I lean the Canes. Uh, obviously, the better team, and I would lead them at home. Then you have a very good game where Florida travels to Minnesota. The Panthers are still the favorites. You can get them at minus 130. On the road, you can get the home Minnesota Wild at plus 110. I think there's probably some value there. Um, you know, Florida's a better team. Florida should probably win. But it wouldn't be a huge shocker if Minnesota pulled the upset. And at plus 110, you're not going to get the Wild at home at plus money very often. Third game of the night sees the Dallas Stars travel to Chicago. Dallas is minus 165 favorite. You can get the home Blackhawks at plus 145. Wouldn't touch this game. Uh, I would lean Dallas, but laying on the road, laying 165, there's no way I'm touching that. Uh, the last game tonight is the Kings travel to Vegas to play the Golden Knights. You can get the Kings on the road as underdogs at plus 145, and the Vegas Knights at home as the favorites minus 165. So to go back to my, uh, just using that last game in uh, in hockey, if you're betting the Kings, you bet $100 and you'd win 100 If they win, you win $145. If you're betting the Vegas Knights, you'd have to bet $165 to win $100. So in hockey, there's no spread. I mean, there is a spread. It's called the puck line. It's always for every game, minus one and a half. Uh, and in this case, you get the Kings, who are the underdog. They're plus one and a half in the puck line, which means they have to, uh, uh, they they can lose by up to one goal. If it's two goals or more, then they lose. So they're plus one and a half. You can get that at minus 165. For Vegas, if you take the puck line at minus one and a half, that means they have to win by two goals. So they have to win by two or more goals. You're laying minus one and a half. Uh, you get that at plus 145. So if you like Vegas to win, it's minus 165. If you think they're going to win by two goals or more, you can get a plus 145. So that's obviously a way better number, but winning by two goals in the NHL is not easy. Um, so, you know, do you think Vegas is going to win? Sure. You take them up, you bet 165, they win 100. Or do you think they're going to win by two goals or more? Then you bet 100 and you win 145. Um, again, there's no typical there's no typical spread. The puck line is always the same. The underdog in hockey is plus one one and a half. The favorites minus one and a half. The over under in hockey's range between anywhere usually about five goals. Two very defensive oriented teams to up to usually six and a half is a high. But tonight, for example, you have a seven. So Florida at Minnesota, the over under is seven. If you take the over, you can get right now plus 105. If you take the under seven, you can get minus 125. Uh, usually you'll see a six and a half is the high in the night. So it ranges, most games are between five and a half or six. Two really defensive oriented teams, you get a five. Two uh, offensive oriented teams, like the Panthers in the wild, you'll get a seven. That actually surprised me. I haven't seen a seven in a while. So hopefully that explains the NHL board a little and how things work. Uh, if you have any questions, thoughts, or comments, again, always happy to hear from you. Hope you enjoyed this Friday strategy session. And before I go, though, I want to talk to you about a couple partners we have here at Ethos. And first is Manscaped. 
Uh, go to manscaped.com and use the coupon code HOOPBALL20, so 20, HOOPBALL20, to get 20% off your order for free shipping and um, 20% off your order. Also, uh, our partners at MyBookie, go to mybookie.ag and use the code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there. So, any questions, thoughts, or comments, please fire them my way. Hopefully you enjoy the show. A um, little NBA break, but lots of college ball, lots of hockey coming up in the weekend. And if you are a fan of the All-Star festivities, hopefully enjoy those as well. And we will talk to you soon. Have a great night, everyone.